Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Game Over Vancouver. My name is Parker, uh, a.k.a. Parker's Pucks. I am happy to be here for the first time, except for the times that I've been on as a guest, but it is nice to uh, be here in the hosting seat for once. Uh, we've got a good show tonight. I'm going to, uh, we'll start by breaking down uh, the game, what went down as per usual. Uh, we'll go into our second segment, which will be a nice conversation about sort of the emergence of some of the role players from the Vancouver Canucks so far this season and some of the players who we expected to be a little bit more and, and how that might progress throughout the season. Uh, and make sure you stay tuned for the last segment where we'll uh, we'll we'll do our little bit of a press conference. So we'll allow you to get your questions in uh, for us at that point. While you're here, make sure you're subscribed to the SDPN channel. Make sure you're following the Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at Parker's Pucks as well. Uh, and I'm very happy to introduce my co-host, who you may have seen me on screen with um, 150 times, maybe by now. And that is uh, SDPN Game Over Vancouver's very own Canuck Clay. Welcome back to the show, Clay, but on the wrong side of the screen. I love being on this side of the screen, Parker. It's like uh, we don't spend enough time together already with our own show, Canucks After Dark. So thanks for having me on. And if I... My voice cracks like I'm a four-year-old little boy. It's because I'm I'm fighting off a cold. So we'll see. You're gonna have to, like usual, do the lion's share of the of the work today. <laughs> I think we're in a pretty similar boat. <laughs> I'm bad. My yeah. throat's a bit scratchy from going to two football games this weekend and uh, and yelling my lungs out. So uh, we will battle. Uh, we'll we'll fight through yes. this one together. Um, and uh, yeah, the Canucks coming off of a a pretty solid win, a game that got a little bit squirrely and scary, I would say, uh, especially towards uh, the latter half, especially in the third period. Uh, but a game that the Canucks absolutely deserved to win uh, and a game that they ended up pulling out to move up to four and two on the season. Uh, Clay, your initial uh, your initial thoughts uh, on this game as you're watching, you know, what was what was springing to your mind uh, throughout this game is sort of the main storyline. Yeah, for me, it was a very scrambly game, Parker. There wasn't a lot of flow, even though we say that, yet the game ended so early. In fact, we were mm -hmm. ready to go set up and then we had 15 minutes to kill before the timer clicked down. So I thought the game was relatively scrambly. I never felt, it's it's weird to say this, I never felt like the Canucks were in danger of actually losing this game. In fact, that first goal, I know we'll get into the goals, the first goal that Nashville scored, I found, was completely against the flow of the play. Like I thought the Canucks dominated the first period. So uh, truly, I, I didn't think that the Canucks would have much trouble and we'll see what happens next week when they have their rematch. But overall, I felt relatively comfortable watching this game. I, I'm jealous of your comfort. I was, I was, uh, I, I've told you in the past, I'm a pacer. I, uh, yes. I, I get a little, you know, I get a little antsy on the edge of my couch and uh, I'm not fully yelling at the TV, but I'm like, come on, like get it out. Well, you, have no, you have no voice. You can't yell. No, I, yeah, I'm so, trying to yeah. save it. Um, but no, it was, uh, it was a bit scary. I didn't feel it. They like, yeah, they were. I didn't feel like they were going to lose it, but I did feel like they were going to blow the lead. <laughs> I just felt like they'd probably win after that fact. Um, yeah. But uh, no, it ended up being a pretty good one. Uh, and a what game made you feel that way, though? Was there was there like one part, or was there one player, or just did, you just had a funny feeling? It's a little bit of history, I think. Okay, <laughs> of knowing uh, how things usually go, and especially in the past, and uh, the blown leads of uh, back in the day, uh, and also just. 
how scrambly things were, uh, and we've talked about it already a couple times, but it just felt like something weird's going to go in, right? It takes one weird hop, but Demko's going the wrong way. I mean, that Sisson's play in the third period, that chance that he True. had, that Demko just got a piece of and went off the post. I mean, yeah. things like that. It's like, well, you know, anything changes there. Canucks weren't getting any calls their way. And it was like, yeah. it just sort of felt like it was building to, um, you know, to a Nashville goal near the end. Yes. There. The ultimate would have been if, if they somehow scored in the 15 seconds after PD missed the open net twice, but I'm, I'm sure we'll get to that later. That was my big fear because <laughs> I did not, especially knowing I was coming here and we were going to be talking in front of yeah. a, a new audience, at least for me, and being yeah. like, all right, I'm going to have to talk about how Patterson missed two empty nets and now they lost this game and we're all upset at the end of this road trip. Um, alas, we don't have to do that. Um, yes. So let's dive into this game. Uh, yep. it, it started out pretty early. Canucks started out uh, pretty solid. Um, a really weird goal for UC Saros to give up early. Um, yeah. Ilya Mikheyev in his second game back. I mean, you know, we're happy that he's out there and his, his legs look good. And he yeah. just skates in across the zone, sort of a regular play that happens a couple times a game. And he just threw it on net really to maybe the rebound comes out into the corner. You can get a play going, or maybe you get a lucky bounce. Um, and he got a lucky bounce and Saros just, he just couldn't get any of it. Yeah, it's because uh, Michael really made a nice play at the blue line. I think he even drew two predators to him. But still, even there, Parker, it wasn't an odd man rush. In fact, yeah, it was one-on-one. And it was one-on-one from distance. Did that puck actually go off Yossi's stick? I think they said it did, right? Uh, they said it did. I, it didn't okay. look super obvious because yeah. it was so close to the shot. But it's one yeah. of those ones where it, it shouldn't affect it too much um, because yeah. it was so close to the stick. Although maybe the release fooled him a little bit. Right, right, right. Yeah, you're right. And Soros, you know, he's a Vesna. Uh, candidate year after year he yeah. he should be able to stop that but maybe yeah maybe he got in his, his sight line or whatever but i wasn't complaining nice to see mikhail he's already got uh two points in two games which is really good mm -hmm. yeah it was a goal that you would not expect uh, uc saros to let in and you know sort of going off of the canucks against bobrovsky the other night where he didn't look sharp um to say the <laughs> least and and saros had a bit of that too i, I mean three goals on 24 yeah. shots it's not like it's a terrible game, but there was a few yeah. just shaky ones that looked like he should have had. I think they're all scared. They're all scared of the Canucks vaunted offense. Probably. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so uh, the Canucks have a bit of momentum early. Uh, then, of course, they get a classic uh, too many men penalty. Uh, we haven't seen this a lot under Tockett, which is nice. Um, <laughs> he looked but, mad, too. He looked very mad. <laughs> yeah, and because it, it was a bad one. It wasn't like it was a quick change and the guy touched the puck. It was like they zoomed out on the replays like, oh, yeah, there's just six guys on the ice. You, yeah. you just forgot to count. Um, yeah. Pretty solid kill, though. Their first one of the game. Uh, Susie uh, had a nice little play on Philip Forsberg to get in the way of a shot, mm -hmm. uh, which was great. Um, but speaking of Carson Susie, a little bit later on in the period, uh, puck comes back to him in his own zone. He's backpedaling and the Preds play this really well. They both just yeah. throw their bodies on the boards as, as Susie, I mean, he tries to go glassing out, which is usually pretty reliable. It's tough to stop a puck on the glass. If you think yep. the boards overhang the glass a little bit, when you throw your body at it, you got to really get in there. Um, but he just, I think he just took an extra half a second, really, right? Like, yeah. he, he sort of weighed the extra second for them to get there. Sissons uh, gets a piece of it and just sort of skates in and, and beats Demko clean. And I think, yeah, Susie was trying to get it up to PD up the left side boards, which is fine. As you said, that's a natural play, a normal play. And whoever, I think it was Smith, whoever was ahead of, uh, in front of Susie, almost, it, it wasn't a penalty. It was actually quite good. Just shielded him enough where Susie actually couldn't even get out to Sissons. And Sissons, he's a good player, a good release. We saw that in the third as well. A really nice shot. And mm -hmm. Demko had no chance over his right shoulder, bar down. What can you do? 
Yeah, no, it was a, it was a perfect shot. Um, and it kind of hurt, right? I mean, the Canucks had a, a pretty good period. Um, shots ended up only being six, six. It was very low event. Um, yeah. but you know, it, it always hurts when you're holding the lead the whole period and you're hoping like, Hey, just get another one, build on it. Uh, take a, you know, take a multi-goal lead and have something to build on. But that one was just a, it was a quick one. It was right after a commercial break too. So it was just like, it was pretty snappy and took a bit of the wind out of their sails. Mm -hmm. And would you agree with me against the flow of the play a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. completely against the play. Um, you know, the Canucks and the Canucks bounced back after it too. They had all the pressure for the last four minutes or so in that period. Um, you know, they had a couple shots there, but just couldn't get anything going. Yeah. 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 Okay. So one, one after one on the road, I think we take that, even though we, we were, I think the, we didn't dominating, but we were the better team, but you're right. Shots were six, six. So maybe, maybe it was fit to be tied. I don't know. Yeah. And I like, I, I, yeah, shots were six, six, but um, you know, shot attempts were 22 to 15 in that first period at yeah. five on five, they were 22, 11. I, the Canucks were yeah. the better team uh, by far. Um, but you know, I, I, yeah. what are you going to do about that season shot? Right. You can't know, blame Demko. Um, so we go to the second and the Canucks have a bit of a pattern going here. It's either second periods that are absolutely dreadful <laughs> or it's second periods that they come out and they score and they just Rick Tockett has just figured out, Hey, just put the, the PB and J line out yep. to start the second period, Di Giuseppe, Besser and Miller, because they somehow keep scoring to start second periods. Um, Quinn Hughes doesn't get an assist on this goal, which yeah. is wrong in my opinion. Um, today was the start of the basketball season and that seemed to be sort of their play up the ice. There's, it was a lob and then it bounced, bounced, uh, Besser sort of bounces it to P uh, Phil Giuseppe and then it bounces yeah. again and then he bats it in. Um, I mean, it was a weird goal. Uh, and I mean, I don't know what you want to do if you're the goaltender there. Um, but it was, a, it was a pretty sweet one. Yeah, you you love Quinn Hughes. I love Quinn Hughes. It's almost like we wouldn't put it past him if he actually practices the the, the flip out from his own end into the neutral zone. Because there was another play in the third period where I think he did it again, and it landed right on Bavillier's stick. Yeah, this one was weird because it not only bounced off the Nashville guy, it bounced off Besser. Then Di Giuseppe. It's not like he even had a chance to settle it. He just kind of tipped yeah, it. He was in. He was in pretty tight by the time it got there. Um, it yeah. is a it is a good play that you are seeing around the league a bit more that just flip mm. from, you know, you're sort of backing into your own zone and you, yeah. excuse me, you flip it to the far blue line because as a defenseman, it's going to land basically right where your stick is and it's not a round object, right? It could land on its edge. <laughs> it could land flat and just stick and go right under your stick. It could bounce. It could twirl. It could go off your legs. Um, so they're, they're really just 50, 50 balls at that point. Right. Yeah. So you sort of throw it up and worst case scenario, it's a turnover, uh, and then yes. they'll start a break in the other way. But best case, you have something like that, where it just hops by and your guy has all the momentum going that way. And Parker, that's why we brought you on a game over because of that analysis that is not, the puck is not a round object. I love it. I love it. That's what <laughs> I'm going to remember from the show. No, but truly, um, they score 14 seconds into the Canucks uh, into the Tampa game last Thursday and 22 seconds here. And yeah, you, there's no reason to start any other line for any other period unless it's OT. Yeah, the, the, that line is perfect for the starter periods for sure. It is. It is crazy how well they are doing. Um, yeah. You know, you, you again, you tell me before the season starts, you say, okay, we're putting Phil DiGiuseppe on the second line. You tell me that, especially last year when I had never heard of him at the start of the season. <laughs> and I'm like, what? what's going on? I'm like, oh, it must be some rookie that we got. No, he's 30. Uh, so uh, uh, he That's was, again, great game from him. Um, and then right after this, um, the Canucks get it back in the Nashville zone. Uh, and Ian Cole makes a really good play to hold the line. 
Uh, and this is mm. probably a minute into the period. Um, and that play to hold the puck in the line keeps the Preds in their own zone. The Canucks keep the pressure on for the next about minute and a half, two minutes, and then they're forced to ice it. Uh, and yes. it, they show the they show the clock. It's second period. It's long change. So, I mean, we saw it with Quinn Hughes at the end of the second period where you just get stuck out there for a couple of minutes uh, unless you get the puck way <laughs> deep or a whistle happens. Uh, and then the Preds ice it. They show the clock like, hey, Rowan Yossi's been on the ice for two minutes and 50 seconds. Um, and uh, it turns out that makes it a little bit hard to defend. Um, great play by Quinn Hughes. Uh, his shot yeah. has, again, looked very good. Um, Niels Hoaglander gets the stick on it right in front yeah. of Roman Yossi. Maybe you could have bodied him out a little bit better if he had a little bit more energy. So that whole yeah. play was a very long process to get to that third goal. That's a really good point. And I like also the Canucks we've seen in the first six games when they set up screens, Parker, it's not just one guy. They like to do that multiple level. And Rick Talkett's even talked about levels. One guy at the point, one guy in the slot, one guy in front of the net. And that one, even behind Hoglander, was was Lafferty. And he might not have touched the puck. He might not have bodied anyone. But just to be in Yo, uh, in, in Saros's kind of uh, peripheral vision, you know that's going to mess with you a little bit. We already saw that Saros has bad, bad eyesight from the first goal. So really nice, good eyesight from Hoglander, good hand-eye. And thank God they have that rule where whoever scores usually is the first one to the bench because that's usually how I can tell who who actually got the goal. <laughs> yeah, and the levels are a great point too because yeah, you know if you it's a great idea in theory, right? You have the guy at the point, you have sort of one guy maybe in the high slot, you have one guy right in front of the net, and then you got to think about okay, well, there's also probably a defenseman in front of the net. Maybe there's also a defenseman on that second guy, right? Now you're talking yes. four or five bodies that you have to get the puck through, right? Great, the goalie can't see it, but the puck's probably not making it there either. But that's what Quinn Hughes does. You know, he yeah. his bread and butter was not the speed of his shot, the, you know, the weight of his shot in the past. It was the placement. It was getting it through bodies. And it seems that he's added a bit, but he's still putting it, you know, finding a way to get it all the way through. And we always joke around, what did Ray Target say? How much, how much speed did he add on a shot this summer? Oh, probably 60 miles an hour by now. It goes up every time we talk. <laughs> yeah so he didn't need 60 miles an hour but yeah yeah that's just the fact that he's getting it through and he's not getting it blocked every second shot it, it's wonderful and he's hitting the net so guys yeah. can tip it yeah yeah i mean how many shots did did petterson have tonight uh he had or sorry hughes he had three shots uh from the point yeah. uh and the team only had 24 <laughs> so i think we i think we talked about it on canucks after dark the other day that i think the d yeah. in one game had like t him and heronic had 12 of the team's 30 something shots yeah. um which isn't usually a recipe for success um, but if Quinn Hughes is going to get the pucks through to the net all year long, uh, it's going to have some good results. No, we love it. We love it. So we almost get out of the second period unscathed, right? Almost, almost. Well, it was the their goal was only ten minutes in. It wasn't that late, uh, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> but That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was Sherwood. Um, it was just nope. a. Go ahead. You had something? No, the, oh, sorry. Not at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was just a, it was a quick one. Um, I don't even, I don't, I don't know Sherwood's first name to be completely honest with you. Um, he looks like a cow. He looks like a cow, but I, I'll look that it up. That makes sense. Uh, but it was a three on two coming into the Canucks zone. Um, Sherwood just found the open space, ends up at the, you know, sort of in the Ovechkin spot, uh, skating backwards down to one knee, rips it past. It was a, a fantastic goal. Um, mm. And uh, it, it hurt, but it's one that, you know, it was it was sort of perfectly played from the Pred side. Kiefer, 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 Kiefer Sherwood. Mm. Ke yeah, that is, he doesn't look like Kiefer. You know what's interesting about the two goals that beat Demko tonight, Parker, is um, usually we we like to think with any good goalie, especially Demko, that if he if he can see it, 
he can save it. Yet tonight he didn't get beat on any rebounds or any deflections or any goal mouth. They're actually and they're good shots, mind you, but they're they're kind of like point blank. I know Sisson's kind of skated into the slot. I know this one was a one timer, and I'm not saying I'm not blaming Demko at all. I was saying it takes a really good shot to beat them, I guess, is, yeah. is my point. Yeah, they were goal yeah. scorers' goals. Absolutely. They were, yeah. you know, the, the first shot was perfectly placed. The second shot was an absolute rocket. I mean, yeah, good luck just getting over, right? Uh, you got to beat the puck uh, to that spot, and and it was tough to do. Um, <laughs> you might be surprised. What, what you know, what kind of stick Kiefer Sherwood uses? Um, I, I, I'll go with Bauer. Yeah, it's a CCM. I was hoping it was a Sherwood. Okay. I was I was actually surprised. I was like, why doesn't he have you know Sherwood makes decent sticks, but they're not CCMs, yeah. but you know, <laughs> rep your rep your your family name a little bit. Yeah, I should have uh, set it up better. Sorry, man. <laughs> it's all good. Uh uh yeah, I mean the rest of the rest of the second period, the Canucks were dominant. Genuinely absolutely dominant. Shots in the second period ended up being 13 to 4, and they took mm. three away. <laughs> uh yeah, why is that? Did I don't know. Either? I guess maybe they weren't on net, or maybe they're just weird jams. I don't I don't know which shots they took away. Um, but I mean, you look at it at, from an analytical perspective, I mean, just Corsi, right? Shot attempts per period. Second period, uh, it was all five on five the whole period, 29 to eight in favor mm. of the Canucks. High danger chances were five to one. I assume that one is the one that they scored on because it was pretty high danger. Uh, yeah, expected great. goals, 1.18 to 0.28 for an 81% expected goals for the Canucks, which is big. Like that's, that's an absolute yeah. dominant period and a statement from a team that has been pretty bad in second period so far. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. They're the game one against Edmonton, their second period, like their whole game was awesome. Then game two, three, four, their second periods were brutal. And then the last game that their win, they, their second period was fine. There was their third period that stunk. And then today, uh, yeah. Second period again, it was, it was very good. So maybe, maybe it was just that really, and it, it was rough. But maybe it was just that really rough three game, um, you know, string there. Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe we, you know, maybe we just put all the weight on this one game. I, I like that <laughs> idea. Let's let's pick the best, the, the best. Uh, That's what I scenarios. do. Yes. I like it. Um, so we go to the third Canucks up three, two, uh, and they go into full on survival mode, uh, which they <laughs> did. Uh, you know, we saw them do against Edmonton in the second game of the year. Um, Florida. And we saw them doing it. So in three now of their four wins, they have sort of turtled in the third period and it's worked out. Um, yeah. Colton Sissons had the best chance of this period and it was very early. Uh, and yeah. it, it would have completely changed the trajectory of this game. Um, yeah. But I think it was Gus Nyquist behind the net with a perfect pass right next to the post uh, to yeah. Sissons. And it looked like it was straight off the post, but Demko did get a piece of it uh, directing it ah. to the post, which is, you know, again, a huge save. Um, for this team, yeah. the entire first six minutes, the Canucks were on the back foot. I think they were in their own zone the entirety of the first six minutes. And I get it. Score effects are a thing. You're stuck in your own zone uh, and you're just, you know, you're trying to prevent a goalkeeper thing to the outside, but man, I don't like it. That is, that is the, the, the blood pressure going up. That is the stress of like, man, are we going to, yeah. we really going to blow another two goal lead just like we did against Florida you know, I don't want this to become a trend, but it, it was it was feeling a little scary. Yeah, that's Sisson's um, opportunity. I, I watched it a couple of times. I, I was trying to figure out, again, he's got a good release. We saw that on the goal. But I was trying to figure out how he got so open. And when I watched it back, Parker, Kuzmenko had him covered. I think PD was up near the point somewhere. But then another Predators guy came towards the net. So Kuzmenko then went to that guy. And then I guess PD was slow. I guess, I don't know if, PD, if that's his responsibility. I guess he's the center mm -hmm. maybe, but yeah, that's how he got so, so wide open. So that could have 
completely changed the the you know the the trajectory of the third period for sure. Yeah. Um, so the Canucks yeah. stay on the back foot, and then with about six and a half minutes to go, we have one of the weirdest penalties <laughs> uh, from Mark Friedman, where the puck gets past him, and O'Reilly <laughs> just is like, oh, I'll just skate past you to go get this puck. And I don't know if Friedman didn't know that the puck was there and was just trying to keep him away from the front of the net, if he thought the puck was closer and was like, I just got to take this guy out. But it was a good, like, seven feet behind him, and he just full-on tackles O'Reilly into the goal. Um, so I think the interference was justified there. Uh, so the Preds who have had a, a hot power play coming into this game, they, the Canucks killed yeah. the first one. Um, but their power play, it was mentioned on the broadcast five for 12 in their last few games. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know, the Canucks penalty kill has been fine. 75% coming into this game, but you know, after last year, who knows, right? Who knows if they've genuinely improved or if they had a good little stretch. Um, and the Canucks just barely survive it again we go back to how scrambly this game was that power play was pretty scrambly uh at least the first one it was and and then you think that you're okay getting out of that one and then what happens right at the end of that one uh tyler myers takes a penalty so so the friedman one it's funny with friedman i i think parker is what we checked we joked about this last night what you see is what you get he's yeah he's a he's a six seven eight he's six seven defenseman He's getting an opportunity here, which is great. It doesn't say much about the strength of our right side, but uh, he's kind of, uh, he's, he's enjoyable to watch. We'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's head down. He's like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw my body around. I'm going to get to the puck and I'm just going to win it. Um, you know, he's, he's not trying to make fancy plays, which I respect. No. That's not his job. Right. Nah. Um, you know, Tyler Myers tries to do fancy plays sometimes. Sometimes it works. Okay. And he scores. Sometimes it goes the other way. Um, I've, I've actually really liked Mark Friedman so far. And I think we'll get to that in our, uh, in our role players, uh, sort of second segment. Um, but yeah, so Myers then takes that cross-checking penalty, just two hands, the guy in the back, uh, away from the play. Um, Mm -hmm. and then again, Nashville is putting it on and it feels like they're going to score. And then Evangelista just takes a bad penalty. Uh, He just, he just gets in Hronik's way. Um, and what I noticed before this, and they showed it um, right before the, because uh, between the penalties, there was a slight gap, right? The first penalty had ended before the second penalty was called. You can't Correct. go to commercial during a power play. That's right. one of the limitations on commercials. But since there was technically that gap and then the penalty was called, they did go to commercial. And then they showed, they showed Rick Tockett just sort of leaning on the bench, just not giving it to the official. <laughs> But, you know, talking at a normal volume, but making his voice absolutely heard. And you could see that he like he wasn't happy. He's like, hey, it's three penalties to none. Like, what are we doing here? We've had the puck the whole game. There's no way that, you know, the penalties should be that much of a discrepancy. You know, usually the team getting dominated is going to take more penalties. Uh, And then, yeah, what do you get Uh, just shortly after? But, you know, it was a penalty, but it wasn't like a, a super obvious penalty on Evangelista, mm-hmm. but that took them off the last 45 seconds of that power play. Yeah. I remember too, I think it was in the Florida game where Pedersen also drew an interference penalty on the, when they were shorthanded taking, I think it was Florida off the power play too. So I don't know if you can coach that. You can teach that. Yeah. This great point, Parker, this one is Rick talking. He's smart. He's a, you know, these little things that these coaches can do, you you look for every single advantage and yeah, yeah. you get a TV timeout with three minutes left and you haven't had a power play yet. Why not? Why not? Yeah. And I'm I'm sure as an official, you're thinking, well, I'm not going to let that influence me, but I mean, you're probably <laughs> looking up at the guy four feet above you on the bench. And then he's also probably a foot taller than you because Rick talking and it's yeah, maybe yeah, you're a little yes. intimidated. 
Sure, sure. Uh, so, um, yeah, Canucks just sort of chill for the 45 seconds on the four on four, um, yep. which and then they get the power play and that basically runs the clock down to a minute and 15 seconds. Um, Saros gets pulled around the one minute mark. And then, yeah, we have Elias Pettersson with a wide open empty net coming on in probably 35 seconds left uh, on this first one. And yep. he just shoots it right off the post and then does the the one of these or and and the plays go in the other what? way. And you're like, it's a it's a six <laughs> on four right now. <laughs> so that was scary. Yes, yes. And I was going to say, um, obviously, the Canucks and they made a mention of it twice on the broadcast. They weren't trying to score in that power play. They're in total defense mode. They had two defensemen out there. Probably the least aggressive power play I've ever seen from the team, at least in the past year or so. Yeah, they did put they did put PP one out there. They had the single defenseman, yeah. which was a little aggressive. Um, but it's a good power play. And I guess you're thinking, hey, if we just score here, it doesn't matter, right? Ice is the game. Uh, and so, it puts it yeah. away. Um, but yeah, so they they just sort of waste the time, and then Pedersen gets another empty net chance. And this time he really overthinks it. I mean, it's Elias Pettersson. He knows how to hit the net, right? Like he knows better than most people how to hit the net. Um, but he tries to just give it a give it a push, a little finesse, and then the puck kicks on. He missed the far side, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, and then the puck just kicks on end, and it just starts rolling towards the corner. <laughs> we're not, we're not doing this right now. At least that was only about 15 seconds left, so it wasn't as scary. Preds did get right. back in the in the O zone. I don't think they got a shot off after that, but. Uh, yeah, at the end of the day, the Canucks hung on, and it's they've shown that they yes. can hang on in these games. Um, and uh, yeah, they're four and two. Yeah, and Parker, I do not believe in jinxes. I had my tweet ready to go because I, I the empty net, and basically my tweet said the Canucks only took six games to fulfill my my perpetual eternal score prediction of four two Canucks because it's kind of a, a a meme now where I just predict four two until they actually hit it. And right. then I can actually do a real prediction. It took 38 games last year for the Canucks to do it. They beat Colorado in January. So I thought it was going to be today. And, and PD had two chances to, to, to make me happy. But alas, I'll take the win. Who cares about my prediction? I'll yeah, take the win. The win, the the win. win is the more important part. Um, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the Canucks get it done, uh, which is the most important part. Um, yeah, big stories from this game. I thought um, the bottom six was great. Bottom six was was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, PD and Hughes were great also, um, but the PB and J line was very good. I thought the um, Bavillier, Hoaglander, Lafferty line played very good. Um, the the Suter and Garland line was also great. Like every line I thought played really well. Uh, I thought Niels Hoaglander had a great game in the nine minutes of hockey that he played. Um, That's so it. Yeah, wow. It was a good, yeah, it was just that. And I mean, they sort of rode, the, rode their guys tonight. Hoaglander with nine minutes. Garland with under 12, Bavillier with 12, mm. um, Suter and Joshua each with about 13. So they, they didn't go uh, go too deep in the lineup tonight. Yeah, and it's nice to, you, despite uh, you know the discrepancy in, in ice time, the fact that Miller and Petey both are, are held pointless and usually you say, oh man, if your first two centers are, don't get even a point, even though Petey obviously had chances, you're right. The, the depth really came through and they each line had a good shift, at least one or two dominant shifts. So overall, yeah, a very, very good team win tonight. And I know we're going to get to that now, but uh, it's nice to see. We need our bottom six to to support the top guys for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, that wraps up sort of our, our talking about the game, uh, I guess, uh, at least for this one. But 
Uh, folks, save your questions. We're going to come to them just after this uh, sort of segment number two. You guys are going to be segment segment number three. So make, make sure you stick around for that. Make sure you like the stream while we're here. We've got a hundred and something people in here. Make sure you get those likes up and make sure you're subscribed oh, here awesome. on the STPN channel as well. Um, yeah, so what I want to talk about tonight, just as sort of our, our second topic, uh, is going to be the emergence of guys who you didn't think were going to be the guys that we'd be talking about, right? Coming into this season, you know, you looked at, okay, you're going to, the big storyline is going to be, you know, is Brock Besser going to perform? That seems to have been good so far. Uh, are Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes going to pick up where we left off? Great. They've been good. Who's Hughes going to play with? He's playing with Ronick. They've, they're two good defensemen. That's great. But seeing guys like Phil DiGiuseppe, as, as Kaya is shouting out in the chat. Yes. Um, seeing guys like. Honestly, I thought Dakota uh, Dakota Joshua wasn't going to be good this year, um, especially based on the preseason. Um, I thought he had a really good game tonight. Um, Pew Suter, yeah. a, a guy yes. who we had barely heard of going into this season, right? I mean, a role player for a couple mm -hmm. of seasons. Um, and, you know, Sam Lafferty, uh, of course, has become one of my favorite depth guys. His speed is great. He made a couple of, like, he made one really good play in front of the Canucks net on a back check uh, to break up a play tonight. Um, and sort of to, to counteract that you have the guys who you expected to make more of an impact, the bigger names, right? Like Connor Garland, like Anthony Bavillier, um, that, and those are the two main ones. And I mean, you can maybe throw Tyler Myers in the mix as well of guys who we're more familiar with and maybe haven't, you know, just haven't really, um, lived up to what they're supposed to be. Did I lose you there? Are we good? Uh oh, I might have. We might have lost Clay. Yeah, it just froze up for a second. Okay, going. you good? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, yeah. Looking at you know the guys performing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Sam Lafferty, uh, I really think has been big. And going onto the defensive side, Carson Susi was a question mark. I think he still kind of is, but I think he's looked decent so far. Uh, and a big one in a trade that I wasn't so sure about. Jack Rathbone for Mark Friedman, you know, he takes that one kind of boneheaded yeah. penalty today. Um, but you saw him, you know, he's like, Hey, I'm going to drop the mitts against Tanner Janot. I don't care. Uh, you see him going out and, and just playing a very simple game to the point where now he's sort of the number two, right? Demon, right? He sort of, uh, leapfrogged Tyler Myers. Uh, he played 15 44 to Tyler Myers, 13 44. He played an extra two minutes tonight. Uh, he he's absolutely stolen that spot. Um, so yeah, I mean, what, you know, how surprising is this for you, right? Seeing guys like, you know, Bavillier and Garland coming sort of down from earth or down to earth a little bit while you have these other guys stepping up in their place. Uh, so much to explore there, Parker, especially everyone you mentioned, except for Joshua is a new player. So you can see the way that Rutherford and Alvin as the GM have put their stamp on this team. Every when you mentioned Susie and Cole and Lafferty and Friedman, even though it's been two games, and and uh, Suter, of course. And we haven't even seen Teddy Bluger yet. He's going to fit right into your your characterization mm -hmm. uh, description of a of a role player. So you can tell that that the Alvin had a a team in mind, a type of player in mind, and he's gone out and by hook or by crook has gone out to get those type of players. And yeah, the guys that were here, although I guess they did trade for Bivoli. Now I think about it too, actually, but Garland and stuff. Yeah, and that's without those guys going, and they're they're out of the bottom six. So it's almost like those are the only two guys that we need going because everyone else you mentioned 
are, are fulfilling their roles and even exceeding their, their expectations. The top six is doing fine, uh, including Phil Giuseppe. So it's a matter of getting Garland and Bovillier going now, or is it too much to ask to have all 12 forwards going at the same time? <laughs> yeah, that was what I was going to get to, right? I mean, this is a team that's now four and two, right? And if you had come into this year and you said, hey, the Canucks are going to win four of their first six games, I would have been ecstatic, right? It's been a bit of a weird road to get here. Um, and I think this makes it a little bit weirder, right? Where, you know, not everyone's going to be going from day one. That's fair. Um, but when guys like Garland, really, I'm focused on Garland, Bavillier, and Myers, right? Uh, when they aren't going up to their level, the guys who you didn't expect to absolutely have filled their spots, right? That's a big reason the Canucks are four and two, right? One is goaltending. Goaltending has been great. Two is the star players being who they're supposed to be, um, especially Pedersen and Hughes and Besser uh, to an extent as well. Um, and then, yeah, a big one is guys like, um, you know, guys like Di Giuseppe stepping up and taking a second line role instead of a Bavillier or a Garland. Um, guys like, um, you know, Pew Suter being pretty decent defensively. And I keep going back to Sam Lafferty, but he impresses me so much, even <laughs> in just 11 minutes tonight. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, if these guys weren't going and you don't have the rest of the lineup going or, or you know, Garland Bavillier, you know, suddenly you have two lines that are doing anything, uh, and, mm-hmm. and they haven't had that. They've actually had some, some depth involvement, uh, across the board. And so that's the thing, like you want the bottom six to get their minutes, but yeah, you look, you're right. You get, look at Hoglander and, and nine and Bovillier 12 and Lafferty 11. But Parker, do you see that? Is that typical? Like, or do you want to see more of a 18 minutes, 14 minutes split or whatever? I don't know. Maybe it's just the start of the season. Target seeing who he has, but I'm surprised despite how well they're playing, or maybe, maybe I'm used to, actually maybe there's a lot better than the days where a fourth liner would only get five and a half or, or six minutes, I guess. Maybe I shouldn't complain about nine or 10. Yeah, in a perfect world, the depth guys aren't playing as good as they are and and the guys who are supposed to be higher up the lineup are, right? In a perfect world, you have Garland with, you know, five points on the year uh, and you have Bavillier right. with a couple of goals, uh, which we haven't seen yet. Um, but the fact that they've had guys step up uh, is big. And then, yeah, if they can get everyone going, then this team is good, but you'll never have everyone going, right? So it's at least nice to know that you have a lot of guys who can step up to that level. Um, and I, I think, you know, goaltending has been a big part of that as well. They've sort of made everyone look good, at least to this point in the season. Right. That's a really good point. We're talking about all the additions. I guess maybe the biggest one is DeSmith. Yeah, yes. DeSmith is, DeSmith. you know, again, yeah. a guy who you sort of, and again, another addition that really didn't cost much, right? Tanner Pearson, who we didn't even know if he was going to be playing to start the season. He's gone to Montreal. He's been very good, right? Like he's, I think he's got five points already. Um, he's been very solid over there. But Casey the Smith has earned this team four points already, right? He is has genuinely just come in and earned, uh, you know, two tough wins for this team. And I think he fits into that that mold very well, right? Everyone that. Alvin and co have essentially gone out and got before this season has exceeded expectations. Right, right, right. So what we're talking about a lot is the unsung hero. I know we're only six games in. Who do you, who could you see being in the running for unsung hero at the end of the season? That's a big one. There's going to be a lot of names. If, if things keep going this way, um, it's going to be Phil Giuseppe though. If he stays on that second line <laughs> and, and you know, yeah. that line keeps churning, um, you know, usually you don't see a second liner getting unsung hero, but 
I bet he would. Uh, I bet he'd be at the top of the list. Yeah, I agree. And I think if if Lafferty continues his strong play, he might get some. You know, Dakota Joshua is always a a fan favorite because of the size and the grit that he plays. Uh, yeah, you're right, and he had an excellent game tonight. So we'll see. I guess the fact that we're talking about so many candidates is a good thing. It's not, oh, it's so bad. These guys have all these role players. No, exactly what you, your point is, is you need role players. And when they play their roles, i.e. their name, it makes the team so much better. And that's why the Canucks are four and two right now. Yeah. I mean, every, every year you go into the playoffs, right? And especially mm-hmm. in our market where, you know, think of what all the focus is on when, when Toronto is going into the playoffs, right? It's the depth. It's guys like yes. David Kampf, right? How's he going to perform? Uh, it's it's you know guys like Justin Hall on D. Like it's the it's the guys farther down the lineup that get shoved down our throats in the media <laughs> uh, as uh, as fans in Canada. Uh, and the Canucks have those guys, right? If they can get to the point where they're you know in that playoff push, that's going to be a really big part of it. Uh, guys like Di Giuseppe, guys like Lafferty, uh, Suter, and so on. Um, so. Really liking what we're seeing so far. Four and two, yep. uh, a great spot to be, um, especially, you know, the teams that they played. Um, you know, they beat Florida, which is nice. Uh, yep. Florida, again, they were in the Stanley Cup final this year. They're missing some guys, but they got it done. The Preds are <laughs> sort of a bubble team. I think they're a little bit below the bubble. Most people would say they're probably going to be in the 85 to 90 point range, um, but a team that could make a push right especially i mean i think we talked about this last night the guys who you didn't know were on the predators like it's like oh they've got gus nyquist and ryan (laughs) o'reilly like where'd they come from um but uh you know they they get those wins uh they get the wins over edmonton (laughs) which again are huge to this point um and looking ahead they've got some tough customers but they've also got some winnable games you know they've got the blues coming up uh which they should be able to beat at home you know it's sort of a i'd say 55 45 game the Rangers will be tough on the second of a back-to-back. Then you get Preds and Sharks, two more games that you can yeah. win. So very feasibly, you know, let's say they go 2-1-1 one, and one across those four games. Maybe we're talking about a 6-3-1 and one team uh, come the beginning of November. Love it. Love it. And Parker, I know it's only six games in. I know that. But the fact that we can say Canucks and playoffs or Canucks and contender without cracking up or or feeling bad about it doesn't that feel good it's so different compared to what we've experienced both together and on our own channels in the past yeah. few years this this is a weird feeling and i do not want it to end i do not either i mean i'd like to go back so last year we know they were oh five and two right um but at <laughs> this t- <laughs> yes sorry um I'm trying to see at this time, the season prior, they were three, two and one, right? They were, you know, 2021, 2022, okay. they were still decent. Um, and then obviously before that right. was the shortened season, which I don't think we want to even talk about. Uh, so, no. uh, so yeah, I, I think, uh, the team's looking good. They're playing a lot better. I mean, they, they suffocated the Preds tonight. They were by far the yep. better team. Uh, you know, analytically, like we said, shot attempts were 59 to 30, basically double expected goals were mm. 67 to 33% at five on five. Um, and you take all situations into account. Impressively, the Canucks numbers get better, even though the Preds had three of the power plays uh, being about 69% to 31 uh, on expected goals. So uh, the Canucks were yeah. Canucks deserve to win tonight uh, by far and they get Good. it done. Uh, which will take us to our third segment. And that is where we go to the people folks again make sure you're subscribed here to the sbpn channel make sure you like the stream while you're here and if you're listening after the fact uh maybe come over hit like anyways just for fun 
Um, we'll wrap up <laughs> with some questions from the people. So get those in if you haven't already. I want to start. Uh, we're going to maybe go a little bit to the negative side to start uh, and change gears a little bit. Mm. Uh, we have Nian Fio uh, saying, what is your opinion on Garland's trade value after these past few games? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it hasn't gone up. I'll tell you that much. He has uh, two points in five games. He, uh, Parker, we always talk about this. He looks busy, right? He skates hard. He spins. He gets nailed nailed along the boards. <laughs> like he, you, you, you do notice him, but you don't always notice him doing the most productive things. Uh, they they talked about trying to free up uh, one or two million dollars of cap. Does that mean you trade him? You get a, a low draft pick back, and you got to retain. A couple minutes. Who knows? Is that money for Ethan Bear? We we don't know. I do know this. It seems like uh, there's always going to be one or two teams kind of in the mix. Now we hear Washington, but I'm not sure how much traction these trade uh, rumors have. And and do we see a do we see a model where the Canucks actually lessen their interest in trading because they're doing so well and he's part of it? I don't know. Yeah, maybe you don't. I, I, just, I don't. Boat. I don't feel like there's anything imminent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, the the scary thing for me, and again, this is a, t- a, a team that looks decent this year. Um, analytically, is probably is like a 70% chance to make the playoffs, I'm assuming, from the Athletic. They were 65 this morning. A win usually helps, yeah. though. I haven't really paid attention to what happened around the league today, right? If all the other Pacific teams won, then maybe not. Um, but, man, trading a guy like Connor Garland and then likely having to retain... We've heard the Canucks want to retain 30. Other teams want 40, potentially. And again, who knows how much weight that holds. Um, are you really wanting to retain 40% of nearly $5 million? So about $2 million on the cap for not only this year, but oh. the next two years also. Sure, cap's going up, but it's going up for everybody, right? So, yeah. you know, is it addition by subst- subtraction? Is it better to not have that cap hit even on uh, on the books? Um, and then, yeah, what are you getting in return, Right wingers are not a very valuable commodity right now. Right. I I mean, you look at, I mean, you know, is, is Anthony Bavillier worth anything? Probably not. Right. And you look at, um, you know, guys just weren't getting paid much this off season because there wasn't much demand for these wingers, especially in a flat cap world. So yeah. Are you getting a, a a third pair defenseman maybe? Right. I mean, you've already done that with Mark Friedman and he's been good, right? If your pro scouting can, can get you, someone ideally better than that because you're training Connor Garland. That would be great. Um, but yeah, then you're, I mean, then you're probably taking Freeman out of the lineup unless there's an injury. <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, you know, are, how much better does the team get getting rid of Connor Garland, who I thought looked decent tonight in the bottom six and, mm-hmm. and the bo- entire bottom six looked good. Uh, obviously you don't want to yeah. be paying two wingers, a combined nine and million dollars in the bottom six. That's not great. Um, <laughs> But yeah, what you get rid of Garland, you get a defenseman, and then you're also bumping out like Freeman of the lineup. Great in the case of injury, which will happen, right? Uh, especially because I, I, yeah. I really am not keen to see Noah Juleson back in the lineup um, as often as possible this year. Um, so maybe mm-hmm. it helps, but also, yeah, the, the Ethan Baird thing is sort of looming too, right? That everything seems to yeah. point to them waiting for him to be healthy and, and picking him up, which probably wouldn't be too expensive. And I mean, are you going to get much better for Connor Garland? Right, right. And you make a great, excuse me, you make a great point about the the return for Garland because it's funny. Friedman only cost, like I know there's, it was a two for two, but let's ignore the other 
it was basically Jack Rathbone for for Friedman. And Friedman is a is a regular, at least in the two games. And he's actually being serviceable. He's being decent, as we talked about. So when I hear that, Parker, when I think about that, I think, well, heck, we should get a lot more than a third-pairing right-shot defenseman for a guy like Connor Garland. Then you think you're right. Then it's two more years at $4.9 million. Then it starts to, oh, okay, I can see why this is going to cost us a little bit. So uh, I, I think it's going to be on our minds. It's going to be on Canucks fans' minds for this entire season until something happens, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah, no, I fully agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's one of those ones where I feel like you're kind of just stuck with and, and maybe it's easier to move in the offseason. There's a lot of real mm-hmm. money on that contract too. Um, I think he yeah. makes $6 million this year, $6 million next year, and then $5 million the year after of actual dollars, which isn't, you know, not uh, a lot of... More than just cap it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we can yes. take one more yes. here as we're sort of getting uh, near the end here. Um, uh, let's see, what do we have here? Uh, Fangirl's asking about well, sort of resigning... Were... Oh, go yeah. ahead. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, resigning Pedersen. Uh, um, but did you yep. have something that you wanted to go to? Well, well, we can quickly address that one. Sure. I, I don't see it happening before Christmas. I, I mean, I don't even see it happening before the end of the year. It just doesn't feel no. like there's any movement. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I'm in the same yeah. boat. I, I think and unless it, this team is a wagon, right? Unless we're getting up to the trade deadline and this team is like yeah. 15 games above 500 and Petter, and they're like, hey, PD, we want caps. We want to know what cap we got to play with next year. Let's knock this thing out right now because we're a good team. If that's the case, then maybe. Right. But yeah, if you're Elias Pettersson and this team is you know, fourth in the Pacific come the trade deadline, maybe even third in the Pacific. Yeah. Is it, you know, is it really in his best interest? Probably not. Sure. So what I was going to say, Parker, thank you is for our last question. Uh, it's not like we're ending on a negative, but uh, the majority of the questions were about Tyler Myers, a mm-hmm. second straight game where he had less than fewer than 14 minutes of ice time. He got, his partner got switched. They, they switched him from, uh, from, was it from Susie to Cole tonight? Yes. Or cold as Susie, I can't remember which way, wherever they went, but you can see he's the he was minus two with Susie. Yeah, um, I'm not blaming him for the two goals, but at all because there's other things going on. Um, but are we seeing the decline? And it's almost like if you want to move him at the trade deadline because it's finally the last year of his five year contract, you kind of don't want him to decline if you are looking at moving him for assets. I know that's in March. What do you think of Tyler Myers' play so far after three six games? Yeah, I mean we talked about the. The it was the Tampa game where he where he took Pedersen out, uh, and he just he hasn't he really hasn't looked good this year. And and coming into this year, I said I said you know I think he's gonna be, you know he's gonna be okay for the you know mm-hmm. not for the money but in general okay. And he can eat up twenty minutes a night. Well, he can't eat up twenty minutes a night anymore. He's been a liability out there. He goes out there for fourteen minutes with Susie tonight, and they're a dash too. Hronik's a plus two. Hughes is a plus two. Freeman and Cole <laughs> are each plus ones, and Cole put in twenty three minutes tonight. Like wow. they are, these guys, these are guys who are, who are projected. It was like, Hey, you're going to have Quinn, the Quinn Hughes pair out for 25 minutes. You'll have another pair out for like 22 and another one out for like 15, right? It shouldn't be too big of a split. Um, yeah. but now they've had to rely on, you know, giving Hronik 27 minutes of ice time, Quinn Hughes, 25 minutes. And yeah, Ian Cole at 23 minutes, you know, yeah. he's getting up there age wise, right? Like, I don't know how many <laughs> minutes, you know, what is he? 37 um he's 34 okay i thought yeah, he was it's like older, if i played hockey honest. it's it's crazy yeah yeah i mean he's 34 yeah. he's not he's not old per se but you know he's he's one of the older defensemen um and it's not like his his foot speed is uh is a, is a big asset so yeah you shouldn't ha- he shouldn't have to be playing 23 minutes a night but he's he's stepping up and, and filling that role yeah and to see it, it's just jarring parker to see friedman with 15 uh, 45 of ice time and then myers and susie 
around the 14th. And I get it. I get it. It's situational. I get that Ian Cole had so many minutes because they had to kill all three power plays. I, I get all of that. It, uh, there's just such a fascinating story to watch as we see our $6 million defenseman. Is it $5 million? $6 million. No, $5 million. No, does he make six? Six, yeah. Oh my gosh. So our $6 million defenseman who's on the last year of a five-year contract who you might want to move you see him gain the low man, the, the the worst stats, and the the lowest ice time. That that to me is is quite an intriguing story to watch as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't think yeah. I don't think he's going to have a lot of value when the trade deadline comes if he's playing like this. Um, sad, and, sad but true. You're right. You're right. Right. Like what yeah. what team wants to take on? Even though you know the cap hits greatly reduced by the end of the year, but you know what team's going to have the cap space to take on the remaining million and a half, or I guess it'll probably be two million dollars by then. That's still on that contract uh, on your cap. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough sell. Yeah. Well, All right, folks. We got seventy six more games to track it. So we show. Oh boy, that's a lot of Tyler Myers, uh, folks. If you enjoyed the show, make sure uh, you're subscribed here on SDPN. Hit like. Uh, uh, SDPN's Game Over Vancouver will be back on Friday night against the Blues. The game is at seven o'clock, so the stream will probably start around nine forty five, maybe closer to ten. Uh, Sam will be your host for that one, so make sure you tune in. Make sure you're subscribed. All that good stuff. Uh, you can find myself on Twitter at Parker's Pucks. My YouTube channel is Parker's Pucks. You can find Clay on Twitter at Canuck Clay and on YouTube at Canuck Clay. And of course here, uh, the two of us are about half the time. So if you enjoyed this, make sure you stick around. Uh, Folks, have a wonderful night. Hopefully we've got some more Canucks wins to look forward to as we get through the rest of this year. Have a good one.